You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Election College, Episode 17, The Election of 1836. In this episode of Election College, the Whigs can't decide on a candidate and Andy Jack picks his replacement. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Hey everybody, I'm Ben Smith. I'm Jason Goff. And our intro always makes me want to learn how to play the harmonica. So let's get into it. <laughs> I don't know why, but that's really true. I mean, it always, I just feel like there should be a harmonica playing. I, I think you would be a great harmonicaist, Ben. Oh, I've never even tried. You should. Hey, so remember Andy Jack? How could you forget him, right? Yeah. He's been president for like eight years. Yeah. And he finally says, all right, I'm good. I'm done. I'm ready to retire. Do you ever see that? picture of him like when he's old yep i have he looked like he needed to retire yeah i'm i think that probably wasn't right at the end of his presidency but rather later in his life but still yes he's like man (laughs) it really does age you though i mean before and after shots of all the presidents are a lot different yeah he was old old hickory hey so everybody still likes andy jack pretty well and uh, he wasn't immensely unpopular i mean there are still some people who uh don't like him i mean he's got two main opponents the native americans because he kicked them all out of their homes and this one guy who tries to kill him (laughs) yeah yeah richard lawrence he tried to assassinate jackson so andy jack he's leaving the funeral of a south carolina representative right Uh uh-huh and Lawrence, he's this unemployed house painter from England. He walks up to Andy Jack, pulls out a pistol, pulls the trigger, and the pistol misfired. Man, talk about luck. Can't get much luckier than that, right, Jason? Right. Oh, wait. Uh, unless Lawrence has a second pistol, Rascal. and he pulls it out, too. And still, in Andy Jack's apparent luck, doesn't get shot because the second pistol misfires as well. Man, that's, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, totally incredible. And thankfully, David Crockett is there. He and a bunch of other guys jump on Lawrence. They restrain him. And Jackson starts beating him with his cane. That's awesome. (laughs) It is awesome. Can you see a president beating somebody with a cane nowadays? It'd be really interesting. Don't ever mess with anyone with a cane, okay? You never know. I, I own a cane. Uh, I found it in a house I bought once, but oh. I never used it. But anyway. You should uh, start carrying that. I think I might. It'd be like I your might. trademark. Well, I don't know if I could trademark it. I think Mr. Peanut has it on lockdown. You get the cane, I'll get the monocle, and we'll be the election college peanut 
gang. <laughs> so anyway, we would probably sound just as crazy as Lawrence did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he he. Well, first he starts out kind of reasonable. I mean, it's never reasonable to, to pull two pistols on a guy, but he blames Andy Jack for the loss of his job. And he says that money would be way more abundant if Jackson was out of the picture. You know, Jackson hates the Bank of the United States right. and whatever else. So, I mean, this sounds pretty reasonable, right? It sounds all right. Yeah, but get this, Ben. Uh-huh. He's like, I am the deposed king, Richard III. Um, <laughs> Richard III had been dead since 1485. And get this, he thinks that Jackson was his clerk and... <laughs> He was deemed insane and institutionalized. So here's the way I think it really went down. Uh, Lawrence is totally of a sound mind, except that he wants to kill a guy. He actually is mad because he loses his job, and that's you know understandable. But then he realizes, oh, if I'm sounding like a reasonable person, they're going to kill me for treason. Because that's pretty much what it would be if you try to kill the president, right? Treason. Yeah. So instead, he's like, what's the craziest thing I can possibly say right now? Oh, I know. I'm Richard III. <laughs> that's a Please great don't idea. kill me. Please make me just just say I'm insane. Was Richard III the one that they just dug up his bones like a couple of years ago? And I don't know. Yeah. I think that was him. So I'm sure there's a podcast. I think um, – Stuff You Missed in History Class talks about that. Anyway. Obviously, everyone is really curious about the misfires, and they take the pistols, they test them, they retest them, and every time they fire perfectly. Wow. So that's Providence at work right there. Hey, Marty. Remember him? Marty McFly. Yeah, good guy. Yeah. No. Moity. Moity Moity Van Buren. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I remember him. He's the vice president. Yeah, Andy Jack, he really thinks that he needs to be the next president. So he, Andy Jack, that is, wants so badly for Marty to be the president that he asks for the Democratic National Convention to be held nearly a year and a half early so he can get him nominated before anyone else can even decide that they also want to run. That's pretty clever. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, He is not playing around. Uh, now we get nominations done like super early because they're so complicated. But back then they were like, yeah, let's just do it now so that everybody else is pretty much decides it's not even worth running. Yeah. Well, if you remember, Andy Jack didn't mess around when he lost to the big Q. <laughs> like he's like, it's true. Oops. That's true. I won, but I lost. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to run for president and spends the next three and a half years of his life just going after Q. Um <laughs> He's he's a pretty smart guy. Well, let's talk about uh, Marty a little bit while we're while we're on the subject, since he's you know a big player in this episode. He is the first <clears throat> spoiler alert, the first president to be born after the USA has declared its independence. He was born in 1782, so he's just a youngin. Yeah, and get this, Ben. He was born in a Dutch village in New York, so Dutch was his primary language. He English was his second language, so I think he's the only president where English was not his first la- his first language. I think you are correct. Like all good politicians, of course, starts out studying to be a lawyer, and he gets admitted to the bar in 1803, which is you know admirable. So he marries his wife Hannah in 1807, and she's his childhood sweetheart. And 
his cousin once removed. Oh man, not not necessarily looked down upon in small Dutch villages in upstate New York in eighteen hundred. Dude, what is, what's the once removed business? Uh somebody's definitely definitely gonna email us or whatever and tell us that we are dead wrong. But I think I think it's when your cousin. Nope, I'm totally wrong. I don't know. I thought it was when your cousin has a kid, but then the kid's your second cousin. So it's something after that. Is it like when, like, so for those of you who don't know, Ben and I are cousins. Is it like I make Ben sleep in the hallway when he comes to visit my house and like he's removed? I don't think so. Hey, I just Googled it. Remember in the last episode, we said we didn't Google stuff right on the spot. Yeah. Your first cousin once removed is the child of your first cousin. Oh, so Crosley, your son, is my first cousin once removed. Yeah. And Egan, your son, is my cousin once removed. Huh. We should start referring to them as that. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. Awesome. I, I think now, now that we've done that, we should start a, um uh, etymology podcast or yeah. something. It's a great idea. I can Google with the best of them. You're awesome. <laughs> so anyway, Hannah and Marty... They get together, they get married, they have some kids, and then everything's going well, except uh, 12 years later, Hannah dies from tuberculosis at the age of 35, and Marty decides, I'm just never going to get married again, and he doesn't. So, Andy Jack, he really likes Marty and gets him nominated, but not everyone likes Marty, Uh, particularly the Southerners. They really dislike his running mate, Richard Mentor Johnson. Mentor is a cool middle name, I think. Yeah, I think so. Well, so that's it. I mean, that's our Democratic Party nomination for the election of 1836. Marty Van Buren and Richard Mentor Johnson. Why can't everybody be this simple? I'm looking at you, Whig Party. Yeah, so the Whig Party, they come about during the 1834 midterm elections. They were primarily opposed to the Democratic Party, but were made up of people from the National Republican Party the Anti-Masonic Party, and the few still hanging around that were still, get this, there were still people loyal to the Federalists. So there were also a few Southerners who didn't like Jackson's opposition to states' rights that became a part of the Whig Party as well. So basically, if you're not Democratic and you're not a fan of Jackson, you fall under the Whig Party. So there's this guy named Hugh Lawson White, and he's really popular in the South he has a moderate stance on states' rights, and you know, in the South, they want you to be really hard-lined on states' rights, but it's okay if you're not. If you're just moderate on it, uh, that's cool with the South. But the North, nope, you got to take a position one way or another, and they hate him because he's moderate. So the nomination from Alabama and Tennessee for the Whig Party goes to Hugh Lawson White at first. Yeah, and in the North, they favored... Daniel Webster, he's a senator, until there were some debates in the Senate to help people understand their positions, and newspapers would carry the text of their speeches. So after the debates, support began to sway towards William Henry Harrison, and he replaced Webster as the Whig nominee in the most free states, as well as a few border states. So the Southerners, they really like this guy named Daniel Webster. Uh, they're really, really, really feeling betrayed by the Northern Whigs because they changed their mind and went with William Henry Harrison. So 
they're like, hey, we want Daniel Webster, you want Henry Harrison, there's pretty much no way we're going to agree at this point. So why don't we just have multiple candidates? That's a great idea. That's that's some that's, that's a thinking. good way to go. <laughs> so they end up with all sorts of different multiple primary tickets. Uh, we've got William Henry Harrison and Francis Granger for the north and the border states. Yeah, and the middle and lower south, Hugh Lawson White and John Tyler. Massachusetts all by itself with Daniel Webster and Francis Granger. And, and actually, there might have been a few others, but I don't recall for sure. Yeah, and in South Carolina, South Carolina always has to be different from everyone. They're like, hey, you know Willie P. Magnum and John Tyler? We like them. Hmm. So really, they start out with this idea of multiple tickets because they just can't agree. But then somebody says, why don't we get enough different votes going enough different ways that no one gets the majority of votes and it has to go to the Senate to decide. I mean, remember, we just had this thing happen, what, 12 years ago yeah. where that happened? So let's do that again, and that way that way, the, the Democrats can't win. That sounds like a jolly good idea. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the Whigs, they're really campaigning hard against Van Buren, and they even went so far as to interrupt the Senate at times. Of course, Van Buren... He's the VP, so he's the president of the Senate, and having an unsettled, unproductive Senate would really make him look bad, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, unfortunately, there are so many candidates on the Whig side, it's pretty much impossible to keep up with Van Buren's campaign as far as everywhere he's getting out to and the cohesiveness they have with the Democratic Party, and it just doesn't work out as well for the Whigs as they wanted it to. Yeah, so the vote happens, and... Guess what? There's another dispute. Of course, we see another new state issued into the Union. It's really similar to what happened in 1817 with Indiana and 1821 with Missouri, but this time it's Michigan causing us problems. Yeah, the crazy Wolverine state. They technically didn't become a state until January of 1837, but they were like, hey, we're casting electoral votes and Congress got used to this kind of thing and decided that they would read the votes twice, once with Michigan and once without. Yeah, fortunately, either way, whether you count the votes or you don't, the results of the election don't change. But it still could create some serious controversy had they mattered. Yeah. Hey, Ben, this makes me think of the Battle of Toledo. Have you ever heard about that? I have not. It's pretty crazy because before Michigan becomes a state, the northern border where Toledo, now Ohio, is, there was uh -huh. this battle. And I think it the only casualty of it was there was, um, I think it was a sheriff or some sort of officer got stabbed. But there was a land war between Ohio and Michigan. And huh. part of the compromise was, okay, Toledo belongs to Ohio, and Michigan gets admitted to the Union, um, but they get the Upper Peninsula, and huh. the rest is history. So I never crazy. knew that. Yeah, I've never even heard that before. Yeah, look it I up. Feel Google uneducated it. all of a sudden. <laughs> so <laughs> we talked about the results a little bit that they wouldn't have changed if Michigan uh, was counted or not. But what were the results, Jason? Okay, so Van Buren defeats William Henry Harrison, fifty-one point four percent to 48.6% in the North. Is everybody taking notes? 
He defeats white in the South with 50.7% to 49.3%. Sounds pretty straightforward, right? They're getting pretty close there. Yeah. So the vice presidential results are a bit more complicated. Yeah, they wanted the, the Whig Party wanted the presidential results to be complicated. Turns out the vice presidential results are complicated. <laughs> All uh, 23 of Virginia's electors had been pledged to Marty, as well as his buddy, uh, the vice presidential candidate, Richard Mentor Johnson. And then all 23 of them were like, we know we pledged uh, that we would vote this way, but we're going to be faithless electors. I'm sure they didn't call themselves that, but uh, we're going to be faithless electors and we're not voting for Johnson. So in other words, Johnson gets one less vote than he needs Uh, to become the vice president. So that 12th Amendment, pretty important, comes into play. The Senate has to decide... And they end up choosing Johnson anyway. Yeah, it was a fairly straightforward decision. So anyway, we've got Van Buren and Johnson in the White House, 1836. Yeah. Yay. Yay, Marty. And get this. So you know how we brag about the changing of government, the changing of the reins of government and all of that. And then we got John Adams and his son, Q. They're all nasty and they don't want to attend the inauguration of the people that they lost to uh-huh. well marty andy jack didn't lose to marty of course but they rode together marty and andy jack they're going over to the inauguration together i think it's kind of nice yeah, i think that's kind of nice too hey this is actually the the last election where someone who was the vice president becomes the president well at least without someone having to resign or die <laughs> until 1988 when it happens again. So we've got like 150 years here where no vice president becomes the president unless somebody dies or resigns. That I never realized that. I thought mm-hmm. vice president just kind of is the president waiting in the wings, but <laughs> yeah. kind of interesting. Hey, Ben, did you know that it was the only election where the vice president, the decision was actually thrown to the Senate? That's time. pretty crazy as well. We had a couple with uh, the presidency, but only one with the vice presidency so far. Everybody pretty much now votes uh, together as one ticket for people, so you don't really have them splitting their votes between multiple vice presidents so much. Yeah. See, it doesn't suck as much now as it used to. <laughs> well, I think that's all we have to say about the election. Uh, we do want to give a shout out to uh, Domi who is listening via RSS Downloads. Domi, I'm sorry if that's pronounced incorrectly, says, your podcasts are lively, funny, and enjoyable. If I was an iTunes subscriber, I'd give you five stars. Thanks for creating a show that brings back the fun of history. That's awesome. I mean, to think that Domi took the time to shoot us an email to look us up and everything, that's, that's quite an honor. So thank you, Domi. Yeah. And if you're out there listening via RSS or any other way and you're not, if you're listening on Android and you don't have iTunes and don't want to set up an account, just send us an email on contactelectioncollege.com or you can go to social media to tell us that you enjoy what we do. Uh, We do put in a lot of work, but we do love doing it. And it's always great to hear that you love here. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. And speaking of social media, we are on Twitter at Election College. We're on Facebook at Election College, as well as Instagram. I think that's everything we have to say for this episode, Jason. Yeah. Do you have anything else? 
Nope. Well, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.